Bears with Jessica. And Mickey. All right. Well, you said you watched some stuff that we talked about, so I'm curious. Okay. So, and, and you know, we haven't, we haven't watched a lot. We're recording now, so we're ready for Halloween-ish, you know, day or two after, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, I watched, so my wife and I had kind of a, a Saturday where we just had nothing planned. So we were like, let's check out this. Let's check out that. So we watched um, uh, Midnight, what was it, Midnight Club? Yeah. Yeah, the Not, Mike, the Mike Flanagan. Midnight yeah, Club. and it was exactly what I thought it was going to be. I was like, I'm, I just said, I said to my wife, I was like, I just feel sad. I don't feel like, um, oh, I don't feel scared. I, no, I mean, some stuff, I, I guess it's like, what is scary? Right. I, li- I wouldn't say it was like scary, but I liked the ghost stories that they told in there. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, the ghost stories. I mean, except for like, you know what I did like? I will say this. There's that one kid in that group that I was like, first off, I was like, if there was if I was a cancer ridden teenager, I would want to be this kid. And he's the one who like he was the one that was the kind of the new kid. And then, you know, um, and then, you know, now that the girl's in, she's the new person. But yeah. I think it was him, somebody in that show, I thought it was him, but now I'm thinking about it, it was wrong, like, criticizes the girl telling the story, being like, too many jump scares is cheap. And I was like, yes, <laughs> I've, been, I've been saying that for fucking ever. Um, so I liked that. Um, I didn't really like the show, though. I, and I, I was, like, really excited. I was like, oh, Heather Langkamp. And she's, like, at least in the first episode, she's in it for, like, a minute. And I was like, okay, I'm sure she plays a bigger part, but... Yeah, Whatever. she's in the kids' stories, too. See, I haven't, yeah, I haven't gotten that. I haven't yeah, gotten so you're hating it early. Uh, well, I mean, here's the thing is with a TV show, the idea is that when you have your first episode, you make it so that people want to see the second and oh the third one. The ones after that. <laughs> Which, so I watched another first episode that I really didn't care for, and I will, I'm, I'm, it's going to be an interesting topic. Uh, Interview with the Vampire. Okay, did, did you I, watch I'm current it? now. Yeah, so I I just decided to go for it and signed up for AMC. I was being really lazy. Okay. And so now I'm on... like, what, six episodes in? Yeah. So I've The first episode's it. on Shudder. That's why I bring it up. My wife oh, was yeah, like, she... I did that too. I watched it yeah. for free on Shudder. So my wife is like a big... Um... She was a big fan of those books when she was a kid. I only skimmed through them to be to be completely honest. Like I would pick some up and then I would just yeah. whatever. And, and I liked them. And and you know I've got I've had I've gone back and forth with the movie like for since it's been out. Like one minute I'll be like fuck that movie. The other minute I'm like yeah it's a really fucking good movie. And then I go back and forth. And I always la- I, I'm landing on it's a really good movie. I didn't like the show. I didn't like the first episode. I just Did I you couldn't. only watch the first episode. Yeah okay. and like. My, my my so my issues my only real big issues with it I liked the changes they made like um, I I was like I liked that Eric Bogosian plays the interviewer and they they kind of make it so that it was 20, 30 years, 40 years after the original interview. And it's like, yeah, remember that interview we did, that original interview with the vampire? Yeah, it, we forgot all of it, so we have to do it all over again. I liked that. Um, I thought it was a nice, weird touch. Um, I didn't care so much for the pandemic addressing because it's like, eh, I mean, I get it, but I don't know. It just felt – it was just seems a little forced to me. And then the one thing I didn't like, and I don't know how to put this delicately, but – what I like about Anne Rice's vampires are they're they're non, they're neither, their their sexuality isn't as much addressed as it is. They're just in love with everything. They're in love with everything beautiful. So they're like men, women, whatever. They're just like they're they're DTF for everything. And in this so in this one when they're like oh he's specifically he's a you know he's a gay black man. I'm just like 
Oh, no. I liked it when they were just kind of like there was no they were kind of like ahead of their time in the 70s and the he's, 80s where it was just like they, you know, they're into I everything. Mean, maybe it's just the first episode, but he's totally fluid. I mean, they oh, both is he? are. Okay. But it does focus very closely on Lestat and Louis in their relationship. Yeah. So they both like in the show fuck women, you know, or mm-hmm. kill them and, you know, well, you know, do what the they whole yeah, do what you got to do. You know, you know yeah. vampires what they do. Um, but it very it is a different story. It's not it's not the right. same as the Anne Rice novel. It does take place in a different time period. But I sure. see the way they set it up. I kind of see why the show took that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind it the one thing I don't like about the show, and maybe it's just like network television, is it over explains itself a little bit. Um, which I feel like some stuff could be left to imagination. But I also really like the characters. Even though it's not, like, a Lestat that we might be familiar with, I do feel like the person who plays him, which I can't remember his name, I'm sorry, does a really good job at playing, like, this power-hungry, like, uh, monster puppy dog. It's, it's, and I do really like that, and I like watching them on screen, and it is, it does have a different, um time period and age for Claudia as well. But like, Uh I like what they did with her story. Like I kind of like the direction it's going, even though it's different, but I do see how like if nitpickers of Anne Rice would be like, this is not my, you know, vampires. Then I see that. It's, it's more of like, you know, the thing about the Anne Rice books is that like, they're kind of they were kind of ahead of their time when they addressed sexuality and stuff like that. Like you know, I feel like you could do and you could do those books now, and it's like we're in such a time where we're trying at least to to embrace people who are fluid and all that stuff. Whereas like you know what I mean? Like so, I was like, oh, it was interesting they made those changes because I was like, like I said, I thought the books were kind of ahead of their their they felt more now than they did in, you know, 1970, whatever, 1980, you know. Um, I didn't like Lestat. I liked, I, 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 I've never, well, he's not a bad actor at all by any means, but it made me, watching that, I was just like, God, I miss Tom Cruise. Oh, no, played- yeah, you can't compare the, their, the Tom Cruise and plus, like, who was it, Stan Winston, who did the makeup for Interview with the mm. Vampire? Probably, um, yeah. It's, uh, they both look amazing. Like, nothing you'll ever see again, I feel like. But, but even him just and Tom Cruise's... And their, and their essence together. Yeah, and, like, Tom like Tom Cruise plays him like a, a kind of like a, I mean, Kate, my wife and I were talking about where, like, he plays him like a petulant child, which she said is is very close to the books, you know, where he's just kind of like, he's, he's like a kid, you know, and, like, who just happens to be able to do all these things, but he throws tantrums like a child. He, like, you know, and, uh, whereas this one, I was just like... I don't know. There's a few scenes that I thought, like, oh, that's pretty cool, but it just didn't grab me. Like, I don't, I, I'm not going to get AMC Plus because I'm just like, uh, you know, it, it just didn't hit me the way I wanted to. Like, I, like I said, I liked, I liked the change and I liked the actor who was in Game of Thrones. Unfortunately, I don't remember his name, but I like him. I liked his Louis, you know, really well. Again, like, and this is a fight that my wife and I have. I thought Brad Pitt was fantastic in an Interview with the Vampire. She doesn't. She thinks he's the weakest link. And I'm like, okay, you know, I mean, we think we can all agree that Antonio Banderas is the best part of that movie. <laughs> no, I <laughs> and mean, not even for his acting, just for the way he puts out candles. I think this he... <laughs> is a generational thing, to be mm-hmm. honest, but mm-hmm. I do really like it. Mm-hmm. Tight, tight. Um, did you see anything since we Oh, yeah, spoke? so I, I finally went to the movies. Um, yeah. And so I saw Smile. Okay. Uh, I don't get the hype. Everyone's like, this is the best. It's so good. And I'm like, it was okay. Yeah. 
That's how it I felt. It was scary it's... and creepy. I mean, it's creepy if anyone smiles like that at you. Um, I, I honestly do. It's It was very jarring. Um, I, it's just it follows and fucking fallen mashed together, which is and and, and under the ring. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. It's just like a mash of, of other movies that came before it. I liked right. it. I don't hate it. I don't think it's like the best thing I've ever seen. Right. Or the best horror movie. Um, I agree. So it was all right. Meh. Worth seeing in the movie theater, though. Fun to see in the dark. Yeah. Um, and then I saw Decision to Leave, which is the Park Chan-wook movie. Oh, yeah. Um, you're really into him. Oh, yeah, I do. I, I just love everything he's ever done. I mean, if you mm-hmm. go back and you watch um, The Handmaiden, it's just like this beautiful masterpiece it, it's just one of the best films i've ever seen but uh this is like kind of this like old detective story it kind of has this like noir feel where like there's a detective and a beautiful woman and you know he's trying to solve the case and like he ends up falling in love with her and it's like all about timing it's it's just another like i don't think he can make a bad movie or a bad anything at this point so i was just mm-hmm. like yep it's great <laughs> Cool. It was. It, it was really cool to see. Um, everyone's phenomenal in it. It's. It is definitely worth seeing, and it has like his weird little like close-ups and and um, it's less of um, a gory drama. It's more of a romance. Uh, I don't know. Huh. I, I really liked it. Um, and then I also saw Tar, which is the Todd Phillips oh, movie. Oh, how was that? So Tar, I've probably been I've been thinking about for days now since I've seen it, and it's at first I was like, oh, this is a different film than I thought. It's very much about cancel culture, and um, the view. Oh, except it happened to a woman, and this like really you know masterful um, composer played by Kate Blanchett, um, and it's it. it plays really well like where you don't it doesn't the movie doesn't play on sides it kind of shows you and in in the middle of the story you're like wow she really is kind of a fucking monster and then she gets i guess essentially what we would call justice but you're like not sure if that's exactly what someone who has the mind that she has for music deserves and you're like but why does someone who is genius not deserve true justice so it's it's brilliant, honestly. It's like a really great drama movie about hmm. cancel culture, and I, I, I that sounds like a little agonizing, but it's it's really not. Kate Blanchett is just like one of the best actors of our time period. She absolutely she really is, and she plays this role so well. It's just an interesting thought piece, to be honest, and I think everyone should go see it. Um, and also the score is fucking amazing, and then. Um, I also watched Power Up the Dog, which... Oh, you've uh, never seen that? No, yeah, it came out last year. I really sat on it, and then I, you know, just decided to watch it, and (laughs) I I really liked it. I mean, it won all these awards. It's, you know, defined as a great movie, but I I wanted to wait on the hype, and then what was his name? Um, Not Sam Neill. Who who had that Sam Elliott. Yeah, Sam Elliott, about he's like, oh, they just got rid of all that gay stuff, but kind of completely missing the point of why it's included and why this character, I think, kind of takes this, like, weird gangly boy under his wing but kind of mistaking um, this, like, for 
something that he thinks is more towards what he is. I don't, I don't know. I, I he really walked the it. comment back, but yeah, I remember when that happened. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I, I, I thought it was funny now that, like, I can see what his comment actually meant. But I, I don't know. It was great. The score is beautiful. It's Johnny Greenwood. And, of course, it's amazing. So I did finally watch that. But those are all the things I've watched. I did watch um, – I've been watching The Handmaid's Tale, and really, it fucking sucks. I hope everyone watching it agrees because it's, like, so annoying to watch. And it's, like, a show that I just want to end because I don't want to, like, drop it, but I just want it to stop. Yeah, you're already committed. Yeah, exactly. I've been this long. It's, like, five seasons. Just, like, fucking end already and stop annoying me. <sighs> no, I have to see it through. But the, that's all the stuff I've been watching. Um, hmm, that's cool. Like, yeah, I, I, I'm seen, obviously, aside from Smile, you know, which I talked about last week, and I agree with you. I mean, like, it's, I, let me put it this way. A few years ago, people were, were having the same amount of hype over the new It, mm-hmm. and so I'm glad that Smile actually feels deserved. Yeah. You know? Um, I, a friend of mine and I were talking over the weekend and I was just describing, you know, segment the new it and how infuriated I was that people were like, oh, it's so, it's, it's one of the scariest movies. It's so fucking scary. And I'm like saying it is like the scariest movie you've ever seen or, or even scary to me. And I know this can sound really smug and arrogant, but I don't <laughs> give a shit is like going to Starbucks and saying it's the best coffee you've ever had in your life. It's like, well, sure. Yeah. Okay, have you ever had anything, any other coffee, okay. you know? <laughs> that's how, you know, it's like... <laughs> that's how I felt when I was hearing about Smile, because someone was like, it's as good as Hereditary, and I was like, no, it's not. No movie Fuck named no. Smile no. is as good as that movie, and I'm sorry how shitty and, that sounds, but and, I'm just And gonna... Smile's, and I like Smile, but the thing with Smile is that when I walked away from the theater, it, that's it, I was done, you know? Like, whereas Hereditary, something like that, like, I'll think about now, you know, when I kind of, like... I'll run it over in my head, you know, here and there. So it's yeah. like there's movies that stick with you, and I think those are the ones that have longevity, you know. And then there's ones that you know you just go. You, you it's like a roller coaster. You go, but you don't you don't still feel like you're on the roller coaster when you're off the roller coaster. And that's how I feel about Smile, which is like, yeah, it was a fun ride, but the rides when the ride's over, so is, you know that's it. You know, I don't think about it anymore. And you know, so um, I did. There was another show I've been watching. I've been watching season two of Chucky. Um, I first off, I recommend. That show. Completely. I still haven't seen it. Wait, what's going it's, on? Um, well, it's weird because, uh, oh, well, you can watch the first season on Peacock. Um, okay. And season two, you can actually go on the Sci Fi's website, Sci Fi Network's website, and you can watch episodes on there, which is great because I don't have Sci Fi or USA, and they haven't put it on. Like last year, I just bought it on iTunes. Um, but I fucking love that show. It's fucking great. Um, and the second season kind of picks up literally, you know, right after the end of the first season, you know, which is pretty fucking rad. Um, everybody, like, shows up in it. Like I said, you know, I've talked about the show before. Like, a lot of, like, the old, like, the original kid from Child's Play 1, 2, and, yeah, 1 and 2, he shows, he's, like, a major character in it. A character from Part 2 is a major character. Jennifer Tilly's a huge part of the show. Um, uh Fiona Dorif, uh, Brad Dorif's daughter, oh. she, was, she was in the last two movies. She's a major character in it. Like, it's really – and the, the thing about the, the teens that are in it, like the protagonists, um, I really 
I really dig them. I think they're great actors. I was saying to somebody before, like we we went to a Beyond Fest screening of the first episode of the you know the first season, and we watched it, and I was like, man, these kids are fucking dynamite because they really are. Like on the show, they're really good, you know, for the roles that they have. And then when they did the Q and A, you were suddenly reminded they are kids. You know, like they're just yeah. like they're nervous, they're goofing around. I'm just like. Oh yeah, you guys are just kids. But when they're on the show, I'm like, "Fuck yeah!" I'm like, "I'm buying it." Um, and I'm not, I'm not shitting on them. They're kids, you know. I'm just saying that, like, you're, you're. It was, it was so. It's a testament to how good of actors they are because when they're not acting, they're just fucking like they're they're kids, and it's it's pretty funny. But the second season picks up, and it's great. And like, oh, Devin Sawa's in both season. Oh, I love him. Seasons. Yeah, and if you love him, you're gonna love him, especially in the first season because he's playing. Two di- he's playing two characters in the first season, and in the second season, he's playing a completely different character. Like, he's probably going to be the the thread if they keep going with seasons. They're probably going to keep bringing Devin Sawa as different characters, and he's great. <laughs> I hope and, so. And, uh, yeah, I mean, like, and it's, it's really nice to see him kind of having his own, you know, renaissance again, a resurgence. And, like, um, yeah, it's, it's just a really great show. They don't pull any punches, um, especially in the first episode of the second season. They did something that I was like, wow. I did not see that coming. That's a new, that is something I've never seen in a child's play movie. Cool. Um, but it's a really cool show. I definitely recommend it. Like I said, Peacock, you can watch the first season, second season, the one that's currently on. Every new every episode after it airs goes on the website. So you just go on the website and watch it, and it's fucking fantastic. So oh, cool. definitely check that out. Devin um, Sawell is in um, that Fred Durst movie. I know we talked about it. I Yes. I, took I, had, I knew somebody who scored, who, who who wrote the song that apparently the movie opens with, but... Oh, yeah. Wait, I thought it was Wes Borland. Or maybe he did the art, because, like, I think he did the art for the music or something like that. Um, but, yeah, uh, it's a real interesting movie. It's pretty bad, but I think people should watch it. John Travolta's in it, um, where he plays, like, the main character guy who kind of, like, loses it and, like, goes crazy. And Devin Sawa's in it. Uh, that's why I mentioned it, but... Yeah, I would watch it. It's not good, but like if you want to have like a weird fucking <laughs> weird watch, I would definitely watch Fred Durst horror movie. Don't the I, here's the weird thing is like I I can honestly tell you, and this is again, this is gonna make me sound like a total asshole. I cannot think of any scenario. People that all I'm gonna watch be in. the room. You know what I mean? Like the room is. I, I hate. I hate that movie. I hate Tommy Wiseau. I'll bet. But people watch that shit all the time, and I'm like, can you watch a better bad movie? <laughs> I watch a lot of good bad movies. So, um, speaking, you know, I, speaking of, okay. All right. And I was worried about that. So, okay. So now we're going to go into our, our Halloween, ep, you know, our, our movie that we did today. And, um, I look, I, first off, I wanted to choose this movie for a, cause I've wanted to do it for a long time. I do love this movie too, because there's this other movie out in theaters right now called it's terrifier Two. Have you heard anything about this? Yeah, but I didn't watch the original one because I don't like, I didn't either. I didn't either. I, I'm, I'm probably not going to watch this one. But, like, <laughs> the people who are go, like, people are like going to see this movie and they're, like, freaking out. They're vomiting. They're, like, it's, like, oh, it's pandemonium. Like, the reviews who alone vo- are, I've like. I've never seen someone vomit. I movie. know I'm that. dying to. I know. Oh, I mean, it's weird because, I mean, I'm like. I'm not, but I am. It's, it's funny. If I watch somebody vomit, like, on camera, <laughs> like, if I'm watching, like, I don't know, Jackass or something like that, I think it's hilarious. When somebody does it in front of me, it, like, my whole body just can't deal with it, you know? I just, vomit is one of my biggest uh, pet peeves, I, if, which should go without saying. But um, that and people who say um, almonds instead of almonds drives me almonds. fucking nuts. So, yeah, I have a doctor who's like, yeah, you should eat more almonds. And I was like, 
oh fuck is he talking about almonds like um so that and puking really just throw me over you know um but we did uh i drink your blood which um so uh the i'll give you i'll give a quick synopsis of i drink your blood so this charles manson like cult kind of invades a, a small new york town and um and they uh, they basically implied they they you know raped this one girl and they beat up her grandfather when he goes to you know mete out some justice and so his grandson shoots a rabid dog and injects the cult's meat pies with the rabid blood so they get infected and all hell breaks loose it is a revenge plan revenge movie that goes completely awry like um, cause usually when you, when you, when you want to get revenge on somebody who's done something, you, you don't want it. So it will affect really anybody else, but they don't really give a shit. Um, so, uh, it, it kind of becomes this pretty big bloodbath of rabid cult members just chasing, you know, townspeople. And, oh, there's also like, I want to say mine, what are they working on? Construction workers? I don't know what, I, 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 I don't know exactly what they do, but, um, I do love this movie, and I will get into some details in a second, but I want to hear your hot take on it. Um, okay. Uh, and I, I started off saying it's bad, but it's it's still really likable. I did enjoy it a lot. I mean, the opening scene, they're doing this, like, Satan worship ritual that I think is really funny. And I remember when I turned it on, I was like, <laughs> did I start at the right time? Or are we in, like, the middle no. of some other movie? And the so first line is, let it be known to the world that I'm a Capricorn. <laughs> that is the first line of the movie. You didn't. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, uh. But I did really like it. The um, the main character or the main leader of this, like, hippie. It would, it's funny because they keep calling him the hippie cult, but it's like a Satan cult. And uh, uh, Bhaskar Roy Chowdhury, he, he was great as yeah. this, like, leader of this, like, Satan-worshipping um, ended up being rabid gang. Um, <clears throat> he was fun. And then I think, so <laughs> I don't know. It's really silly and bad, but it's like a very cool, lo- low budget movie. Like you could tell mm-hmm. they, they probably had like not much to work with, but like the scenes are cool. Like there's one where, um, two men are fighting in the attic and they're like, both looking up and down because there's a gun on the floor and then there's a knife in the hand and repeatedly they go back and forth of these close-ups of them looking down and looking up and i think it's so fucking good like Mm. and then with the music and the and the soundscape of it like it's a fun fucking movie i i will say i really did like it it's put together janky it's really silly it's very low budget but like it was cool yeah i mean like look it was very low budget and um and they do make – I feel I, – I do feel like they make a lot work with what they had. Um, the, the music is – that's that's one of the first things. Like oh, that music, that score, whatever you want to call that soundtrack <laughs> is, that? is – I fucking love it. And it's when, great. And they, use, they use it in the trailer and I remember it's just like that's always the – that's one of the things that, that sticks to my mind You know, the most when I think about that movie is that music. So Yeah, because um, it's like half music, half like – sound of like i feel like that they were trying to make up like thunder sounds mixed with music and you're like what is this um yeah i do like that this was the first film to be rated x yeah for violence that's why i brought that up why i brought up terrifiers because um, 
And there's actually hundreds of different versions of this movie that were out at one time because I guess the rule was like they would allow them to play it at R and gave theaters like the rights to edit the film. And so there was just many different versions of their floating out, which I also think is somewhat cool. But um, what is Terrifier 2 also rated X? No, just that like, you know, I'm just saying that like that movie got a lot, you know, is getting a lot of hype for being so over the top. And like the funny thing about this movie is that you know, there's, you know, for a, for an exploitation movie, which this movie is clearly, it's absolutely an exploitation movie, it got decent reviews, you know? Like, it, it didn't get, you know, look, it's not getting the world's greatest reviews, <laughs> but, like, um, I think The Times gave it a good review. I want to say The Village Voice gave it a good review. Um, people were, like, people, like, with the, I mean, the reviews were basically, like, for what it is, it's pretty good, you know? Um, which I, I agree with, you know? I mean, this was definitely, it's funny, because the director... David Durston, he directed a movie before this called Blue Sextet, and then his next movie after that was called um, Stigma, which starred the guy from... A movie um, called Boy Napped, which I... <laughs> Boy Napped. I but did Stigma look into, was, it, it is rated X, X, <laughs> X. Stigma was like kind of an epidemic movie, kind of like, well, in a, you know, in a way that, like the way that I Drink Your Blood is, you know, people getting infected, but in that, it's a venereal disease, and it stars the guy from um, Miami Vice. Oh, um, not It's not Don Johnson, yeah. Um... But what's interesting about this movie is that he didn't really – he wanted to call this movie Hydrophobia because – I'm not going to lie, and this is going to sound so stupid. Because I saw this movie years ago. <laughs> I did not know that fear of water was linked to rabies until I saw this movie. Okay, and yeah. I, like, I did the same, that's and then I Googled it. So I was like, is that true? <laughs> yeah. So that's one of the ways that the, that the, the – well, I want to say the ends. heroes – yeah. It, well, that's the, way- the ending dialogue is like, would hate to die of hydrophobia, and then it ends, and you're like, what? <laughs> right. Um, he wanted to call the movie Hydrophobia, and then, you know, the producer um, or the distributor was like, fuck that. I'm going to call this I Drink Your Blood. And he bought, um, he got the rights to a movie from the uh, 60s called Voodoo Bloodbath when he re- retitled it I Eat Your Skin. And th- this was a very famous double feature in fact the grindhouse uh releasing dvd that i have has both movies so you could watch them as a double feature but i would be i drink your blood and i eat your skin and what i think is really funny because i eat your skin is i i own a different copy of that movie like i picked it up at a 7-eleven in like 2001 for like two bucks right oh, sick. and um it's not i was like oh fuck i eat your skin whoa and then you watch it like this is wow this is not that movie at all or this is you know what i mean the, the title is just completely misleading but to the point where bashkar the, the lead actor the lead cult member of the movie he even said in an interview what is this what is this a religious film you're selling i drink your blood and i eat your skin what are we talking about a catholic mass and i was like that's a really interesting point bashkar <laughs> um but I don't think he – I think he intended – the director was like – he was just thinking he was going to play in drive-ins. But the you know the distributor actually got it into some mainstream theaters. So, you know, and, and the movie's got a, a, a very – it has a reputation, you know. Um, I, I've knew, I knew about it before I seen it because I – you know, reading about all these, you know, 42nd Street era films, you know, this is one that comes up. Um, I also – and I've mentioned this before, um, this book – Nightmare USA by Stephen Thrower is like it is. I, I can't recommend it enough to people. It covers all of these exploitation films from oh, all over the, all over the country, um, and I, there's a huge part of I Drink Your Blood in here where they and he also interviews Bashkar and he interviews David Durston both before they passed away. Um, also, so it's a great book. Tons of awesome movies in here, and plus, if somebody tries to break into your house, you could 
hit them with this and kill them. It's a fucking, <laughs> it's a heavy book. Yeah, that's um, a big but ass book. Looks cool though. It is, but there's a lot of cool shit in this movie, and I um. A funny story is that there's this actress in the movie called Iris, named Iris Brooks, and her character is she's a member of the gang that's – I guess the best way to describe her is either she's a nympho or she's just a total, you know, slut. I don't know how you want to describe yeah, her with the nice way. Yeah, of the night. She, a lady of the night. She's into like, you know, whatever. She's even like at one point she's even hitting on the little grandkid who's – when I say grandkid, I don't mean like, oh, it's like oh, some 17 year old kid. But He's a fucking kid, child. Like what kind of – like I know he's trying to get revenge, but like also he like knowingly takes blood from a rabid dog and then <laughs> poisons all these people. Like I don't know, seems really fucked up. <laughs> well, they they beat up his oh, they beat up his grandfather and they oh yeah they and they dose him on acid. I forgot there was yeah. a lot about LSD in this, which I did kind of like. I was like, there's Let it always be known, been a lot of sons and daughters that Satan was an acid head. <laughs> <laughs> um, Perfect. Oh, so Iris Brooks, she's got this scene where she's supposed to be running out of the house. Like, um, you know, one one of the cult members is already beginning infected. It kills somebody, kills another member. And he like um, he's basically shoving a body part in her face, like taunting her with it. And she runs out screaming. Right. And so when they were shooting in this small town in New York, you know, the the, the production was like invited. You know, the the townspeople were like, we want to come watch a movie being made. And he's like, like OK. So um, and apparently Iris Brooks and David Durston, the director, had this because she was like, you know, he, he described her as like she's good. She was a good actress, but she, sometimes she just needed a little bit more. And she knew that. And she they so they worked out between them a um, a system where like, you know, uh, he would yell at her, maybe slap her a few times like she's completely in on this just to get her to like worked up so she can run out of house and screaming everything. Well, the townspeople don't know that they don't know that this is like, this was agreed upon. So they were like, a lot of people were freaking out about this movie, not just because of the content, but because of the director, they like the townspeople wanted a new director. They wanted to be replaced <laughs> a new director. And I'm like, that'll be the fucking day. Um, I just think it's an interesting story because, um, it reminds me of a story I heard about the making of shivers, which is another, Infection movie, um, which we we did. We uh, Cron- it was uh, one of Cronenberg's first films, mm-hmm. and you know he had a very similar experience with an actress in that, and Barbara Steele, who was like I guess the name actress on that oh, one, yeah. like completely went apeshit on David Cronenberg. Like how the fuck dare? Because she didn't know that it was a, that they had him and the actress had discussed doing this, you know. So she lost shit. Well, the the other reason I brought up Shivers is because there's one member of the cult. She's a mute. And she's gorgeous. I mean, like she's beautiful. That's Lynn Lowry. She was in. She was in Shivers. She was also okay. in Sugar Cookies. I was gonna say, why does she look so familiar? But like, not many people have her profile. Which when yeah, she's also in Romero's uh, George Romero's The Crazies, which is another movie about people going crazy. So she kind of has this weird like affinity for movies where people get infected by some sort of you know derangement. Um, you know, and then she did Sugar Cookies, like I had mentioned, which was a, a kind of an early trauma film. It was produced by Lloyd Kaufman and she was in the remake of the cat people or Paul Schrader's cat people. But, um, so I always wanted to bring it up because Lynn Lowry is just kind of like, you know, she's the one actress out of all of these people that I'm like, Oh, I recognize her from other stuff. I never saw Bashkar and anything else after this. No, well, unfortunately, he, yeah. It's so that know. he got crippled in a stage fall seven yeah, years he, later, uh, which is kind of fucked up, but died in 2003. Sad. RIP dude. You were sick in this movie. Yeah, and um, he was. I mean, and the, the, when you when you, the thing about hippies is that like you have to also remember too that like people when they thought of hippies, you know, in the, the early seventies were thinking of the Manson cult, which were like yeah they were all 
I quote unquote hippies that kind of, you know, I guess they kind of went crazy a little bit. Um, I guess <laughs> you could say that <laughs> a little yeah. bit. No, but I mean, I think that's where people get all their, you know, their idea yeah. of like, you know, um, so that's, and that's definitely like the Manson murders were definitely a big part of this movie to the point where like, they were like fucking with one of the cult members. Like the cult is like, there's this one member of the cult that they're, they're kind of like, they don't like him, So they just keep fucking with him. At one point they have him tied to a table and they were like, um, you know, we don't kill, you know, he was trying to protest. Like, you don't, we don't kill humans. We only kill chickens and pigs. And so they write pig on his stomach and it's like, oh, well, there you go. You know, um, there's a, and there's a few moments that are like, I think are, are particularly horrifying, like legitimately horrifying. There's one scene where, um, two, a few of the main characters stumble across one of the other members of the cult who she's pregnant with, um, Horace Bones, that's the lead cult leader. She's pregnant with his child. And then they tell her like, you're infected with rabies. And she kind of like has a a moment of anguish. And then she takes a sharp stick and she fucking stabs herself in the stomach. And I'm like, I don't know why that scene got under my skin so much. It's just, I mean, aside from the fact that it's a pregnant woman stabbing herself in the stomach to kill herself. (laughs) Um, I mean, this movie definitely like for, and you imagine, granted it's tame now, but imagine this movie in 1970, imagine the scene with Lynn Lowry when she's in the house, like they, they go into a house, this lady has no idea who they are. She's like, let me fix you something to eat. Let me fix something to drink. And Lynn Lowry like has gone completely rabid, but she's like, for some odd reason, she's the only member of the cult that hasn't gotten like foaming at the mouth. She, cause I don't know, but she just picks up like one of those, um, what the fuck do you call those? Like electric knives, you know? Yeah, I think that's what I'm saying. And then <laughs> the lady's hand off. It's fucking great. Um, I don't know. I, it is. I really. I mean, even the, when the cops show up, they all just shoot. And then someone's like, there's people in there. <laughs> hey, guess what? Things haven't changed. Um, <laughs> but I, 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 like I said, like I know this movie, like, I mean, when you, when you hear that it's rated X for violence and you watch it now, it, it's tame compared to like the shit that we see now. Oh, yeah. But I think there's still some moments that even now are like, oh, that's, that's pretty fucked up. Um, oh, like the, yeah, there's like a ton of stuff. I was going to be like, like the Yeah. And, and like, like I said, Bashkar really, he, what's so great about him was that he make, he plays this character so well that you're kind of like, you almost like, I don't know. Believe you don't symp- you don't sympathize oh. with him, but you're like you can see why people would be taken in by him. He's very charming. I guess is the best way to put it. And in in Nightmare USA, actually, the author really makes a good point where he's like, there's moments where like the um in the very at least in the very beginning where your 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 kind of loyalties almost shift a little bit where you're like you know there's a scene where like the uh, Horace Bones and his and his pregnant baby mama they show up at this like bakery. And you get a sense from the, the 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 lead character who owns the bakery, the the protagonist, I guess you want to call her. She's almost kind of like she. There's a part of her that's almost condescending, but then she kind of is like, "Oh, hey, by the way, I like, I I put some extra meat pies in there, you know, on the house." And and then Bashkar is the one who kind of almost condescends her, and it's like there's this back and forth, like, "Wait, whose side am I on? Am I on the side of the cult? Am I on the side of the fucking people in the town?" And then you know, it gets to a point where you go, "You go, oh, I know exactly whose side." But then again, you got to think about this fucking kid, the, the little kid in the town, and he's a little kid, he's like eight years old, nine years old. He injects rabid blood into these meat pies. Oh, this fucking weird little piece of shit. I mean, also, the way that the kid played him was just very much like Howdy Doody or, like, you know, Dennis the Menace. Like, it was really weird. Yeah. It had a very weird 50s feel to his character, which was yeah. kind of funny. 
But also, you're like, this kid is fucking with this dead dog, like, extracting blood from it to poison these people, which I get. They're pretty bad people. They did... You know, rape a sister and dose his grandpa. Yeah, I mean, if, look, if I was a little, if I was an eight-year-old kid and my grandfather's veterinarian and I had access to all that stuff, I don't know, maybe. But like, there's a scene <laughs> where like the bake, the woman who runs the bakery, who like lives with them. I don't understand some of the relationships between these people. It take it took me a few times to even get like, oh, three of these characters are fucking related, you know. Um, whereas like the, the the bakery lady, like she just lives with them and is like their friend, you know, but she's driving with the little kid and she's like, you know, why didn't you tell us about this rabbit dog? He's like, because I shot it this morning. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. Oh, by the way, the kid's like, he kills the, the, the rabbit dog with a shotgun. Yeah. Like, after, <laughs> he, like it's, it's pretty wild. Um, but yeah, I, I, do, I really love this. And there's a great moment where I think it's Bashkar. Like he's like, he's rabid and he like, he stumbles across a, like a farmer who's got like a giant, like Python in his like, in a thing. And the old farmer jumps out in his long john. He's like, what are you doing here? His fucking dentures fell out. That's what they're both kind of like laughing. That's, you know, like right before he like kills the, the old man, the old man's dentures falls out and like it was an accident. But the, you know, Durston was just like, fuck it let's keep it in that's fucking great because they even break character for a second when the dentures come out um so it's just little weird little weird moments like that that um i don't know you don't get in a lot of movies these days where like everything has to be perfect and polished like this one's got riddled with like hiccups mistakes there's boom mics in a few shots and everything like that but (laughs) it's endearing um, it it, it is it is it's because it's like good and and not a bad low budget film i mean there's it, bad low budget films and then there's like there's terrible low budget really films and like yeah. and there's like a weird like i said there's a weird sincerity to this i mean the movie does kind of fall apart when like when when outside people come into town like like the the police or the i don't even know if they're supposed to be like any other sort of like police force or whatever like but when like when everybody shows up at the, towards the end and they're all like firing away at the car the movie kind of falls apart you know <laughs> it directly um, ends it's, after that like it does i mean but like it's just so like the actors like there's one i, I think one doc when one character who i think is the director i'm, I'm trying to remember it was like i gotta call no it's the town sheriff it was the town they were shooting in it was the town sheriff who they were like they gave him a part as this guy who was like oh, i gotta call the national guard or something like that and it's just so bad you know, like it's just, it's, but it's like there's something so. Again, we I've mentioned this before. There's some movies that when I watch them, to me, it's like listening to the Ramones' first album, where it's like it doesn't have a lot of the spit and polish of other albums. But when you hear it, you go, "Oh man, this is really good," and it also makes me feel like I could ma- I could do something like this. Yeah. And I definitely feel like I Drink Your Blood is it kind of that and Basket Case, which are two you know prominent 42nd Street movies. Um, definitely have that feeling where it's just like they're they're you can't help but admire like what they pulled off with very little money, but it also it's kind of very inspiring because it's like oh man I could make something like this you know uh, not like this but you know what I mean like um, so I I really dig I drink your blood and, and again like the soundtrack is just ah I have never seen anything by David Durston after that he was going to remake I drink your blood oh yeah and then died right and then he died yeah he was going to remake it with Sybil Danning which. You and I, well, you were at my birthday when I, like, showed everybody Howling 2. That's Sybil Danning. Oh, okay. Um, I was going to ask her. I was like, I know the name sounds familiar. She's in a bunch of exploitation stuff, but, I mean, the one that I was like, I can easily point to is the, that you and I frame of reference was Howling 2. Um, but uh, they were, he was going to remake it, and he was like, look, I can only remake this movie if we make it better than the original. Like, I'm not just going to make some cheap 
remake or whatever. Like it's got to be bigger and better. And it's like, man, he got the idea. You know, he wasn't. You know what I mean? Like he had the right mindset to behind remaking his own movie, but then he passed away. So that's unfortunate. Never happened. I mean, this this one's like super fun. I would definitely. It's on Tubi for free. You know, you can yeah. watch it with commercials, but it's definitely worth a watch. Um, there's also, you know, the director's cut out there on DVD. Some mm-hmm. cool box sets. Um, yeah. I was looking online. There was one with, like, a fake syringe <laughs> that you could take oh, yeah. rabid I mean, dog blood with. <laughs> like, I mean, the thing with, with, with I Drink Your Blood, and I, I, I kind of want to quick side note, is that, like a, lot of, like, a lot of these movies that came out in this time period, a lot of these exploitation movies had some pretty radical um, – gimmicks marketing gimmicks so like when uh, mark of the devil came out they were giving out barf bags you know <laughs> in the theater same thing with the movie zombie you know uh Fulci's zombie they were giving out at certain theaters they would give out barf bags for um dr butcher md uh they actually had like a, a an ambulance outside like as like a promotional stunt like outside theaters and stuff like that so i drink your blood kind of comes from that same era maybe not as much in the sense that you know all they really did was they just kind of they did a double bill with I eat your skin, but yeah, I mean, like the the I know what you're talking about the, the little ne- the movie coming with needles and everything like that, and it's just it's 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 in the spirit of that era where like you have this cheap movie, you got to make your money out of it, you know what's a way you can market it, you know, and like I I'm a huge fan of studying those like reading about all those different marketing schemes that people came up with. Um, they're just because there's something so like halftime wasn't even legal what they were doing like Dr. Butcher MD like the police would show up and be like well, you have a fucking ambulance out here and they'd be like yeah be like get it out of here and like okay we will and then they wouldn't you know and they'd get in trouble for it um, shit like that where when Avco Embassy did Phantasm they would have a hearse outside the theater and they would have contests to see how many like you know you win a prize if you can fit as many people into the back <laughs> of the hearse as possible shit like that and it's like That's movies cool. they don't make they don't do that with movies anymore. That's why I was kind of impressed with Terrifier where like now what they're doing is they're just – to promote the movie, they're just – they're pushing the ads. I haven't even seen a fucking clip of that movie at all. I've just seen the ads where it's like you know people talking about how they like threw up five minutes into the movie. It's one of the goriest things I've ever seen. It's like – I don't know. It's a, it's, a, it's a forgotten era, that era of like marketing – exploitation yeah. and yeah and I, I i just i wish we came kind of came back to that you know i think of a few movies that have come out in the past years i'm like wow this movie would be cool if it had a cool marketing hook to it you know um you know but i don't know it's just a different time period and i feel like i drink your blood's a really great time capsule so yeah definitely i really want it, that great. one it's great 1970 71 on mm-hmm. tv i think maybe on amazon as well you can find it uh, also in Night Flight, you know, um, it's on Night Flight. Grindhouse releasing has their own little um, channel on Night Flight. I guess you want to put it where all their all their releasings oh, on there. So, cool. yeah, so you can check that out. You can check out the Beyond, some other really cool stuff. But um, yeah, I'm I'm glad you endured it for my sake, and I'm glad you enjoyed it because um, it it really this one really gets me. I don't know, that's <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I really dig it. Yeah. So. I would recommend checking it out, guys. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. The biggest, bloodiest horror show in history. I drink your blood. Men become animals and eat their victims. I drink.
drink your blood. A young boy infects an entire town with rabies and turns a group of men into a band of bloodthirsty zombies ravaging a peaceful countryside. I drink your blood will make your blood curdle and your skin crawl. But you will sit there and suffer through the tortures of the damned. You will sit and watch this shocking ugliness splashing across the screen. You will ask yourself, what acts of sadism will this electric knife be used for? What horrors will be performed with this axe? This hose? This dagger? This gun? This sword? All the implements necessary to make this the ultimate in adult horror films. painted a bloody picture, but it is only a small part of what actually takes place in I Drink Your Blood. Can you take it? If you have a strong constitution, we challenge you to test it and sit through. I Drink Your Blood.